0: Lord, I pray that I believe that you have guided him by your Holy Spirit as he prepared for this morning. I pray now that you would just fill him with your Holy Spirit, guide him as he shares here this morning. May we be sensitive to your spirit as a congregation and hear what you have. Lord, I pray that we would put in practice what we hear, that you will be honored in this church and through our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. I'd like to greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It's really good to be here. I, I hope you don't feel bad at all, Nate, because I don't remember what year I was here. <laughs> I have, I have no, no idea. As I thought about coming, though, uh, I have good memories of that time I spent with you all. And I, I feel, felt like um, I have connections here through, through those types of types of events and times. Um, I also have another connection here that I I treasure. Um, Brother Wayne Schrock spoke at my ordination, and uh, not to make light of your challenges of getting older, which I'm not getting any younger myself. Uh, It was an event when you spoke at my ordination as well. I still treasure those those messages and uh, the instructions and the example you've given me. And believe it or not, I still have that staff you gave me. Uh, like you and I, is not as you know limber and flexible anymore as it used to be. Uh, a couple of years ago, I tried to bend it and realized no, it doesn't bend anymore. When you first gave it to me, it had a, some sap in it yet, and you could flex it like a bow, but not anymore. It's it's aging, um, and I'm aging, and you're aging. We're all getting more experienced and older. It's good to be here with you this morning, and I'm, I'm Nate said something about my family. Um, I'm sorry they can't be here with us. Um, at first I thought they would all come, and then I thought, well, maybe some of them will come, and then at the last minute it just seemed wise for none of the children to come. We've been dealing with a chickenpox outbreak, and um, it's, it's such an, a drawn-out affair, um, Is one child gets it, and then it's an indeterminate time before the next one gets it. And then you don't know who got infected from that person. And it's just like this invisible uh, progression. Um, thankfully, the ones who had it are recovering, and the others don't have it yet. So um, I, I, I feel like I'm here with a good conscience. We're not leaving anybody suffering at home. Um, but that's why none of the family is here. We have nine children, and i uh, expecting another one. And um, they're a blessing, really happy for the family that God has given us, and I'm sorry they can't be here with us this morning. Like was mentioned, the subject I was asked to address is um, the role of a deacon. And the the title I've given for this message is, is The Deacon, a Servant of the Church. And I was asked to share with you all regarding the role of a deacon from a deacon's perspective. Uh, I've been endeavoring to fill this role for quite a number of years. It, it's hard to believe that it's been over 18 years, It it's December of 2003, so it's, yeah, it'll, be not, it'll be 19 at the end of this year. Um, as I thought about sharing about this, Paul's words in Philippians 3 came to mind very quickly. It's, I don't consider myself to have attained or already been made perfect. This is not a. Uh, this is this is how you do it as a deacon. Uh, the message won't be that at all. Um, in fact, when I consider the number of years I've been ordained, I, I keep thinking, you know, I, I should be better at this than I am after all these years. Um, but I want to share um, what God has laid on my heart this morning with you all. Some uh, some of what I share might not exactly overlap with what your leadership team is planning uh, because there are differences of administration, and I think that's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a good thing that there are differences, and I find it fascinating that while God's Word clearly talks about leadership in the church, there's not a lot of specifics about how that leadership gets fleshed out, how the process works. Uh, we have titles, but sometimes they're used interchangeably, and it's not always clear exactly how they should be used, Um, but I think God gives us some some leeway for understanding how uh, church leadership should work, but I am dedicated to this work of a deacon, and I want to share this morning what I believe that the role of a deacon can add to the local church. I I trust this will be beneficial as you think about it, as you think about the over. All process, and uh, how you'll relate to this new role, and uh, who, how you think about qualifications, which I, I don't really intend to talk a lot about qualifications of an individual per se. Um, I felt led more to talk about the role and, and how um, this, I believe, can affect the church. I'd like to read two passages. In fact, these are the extent of the passages in the New Testament regarding deacons. And as we read, there are two questions, two overarching questions that I hope this message can answer or help you find the answer to. And that is, what is the significance of a deacon's role, and what is the value of a church having a deacon? Now, before we read the text, I want to break that down for the children. So, significance and value, those are big words. Uh, What what does it mean, and what are we saying that a deacon can do for the church? Well, if you're in school and you go to math class, what's something that would be significant and valuable? Well, if you're a student and you go to math class, I suspect you would like if you could take a calculator with you to class. Now, I work with finances, and Brother David here works with finances, and I think he'd agree with me that a good calculator is just key. and anybody that uses a good calculator, you, know, you have your settings and you, it just, it's set the way you like it. But a calculator is really significant. I think the teacher would tell you if you're in math class, get rid of the calculator. That would be very significant. It would make a big difference in how quickly you could do your math and how accurate you would be. You'd get, hopefully, you'd get hundreds all the time if you had a calculator. It would add tremendous value. And I think if, if your children are like my children, Yes, you would really jump at the chance to take a calculator to math class. So that's not really a good analogy totally for a deacon in the local church. But I think it communicates some of what I think can happen as a church adds offices that can really empower and contribute greatly to the work of the church. So thinking about significance and value this morning, let's go to the book of Acts. Um, i like to read... Um, Acts 6, and I'm going to start in verse 1, and then we'll turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Acts 6, verse 1, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word, and the saying, Please the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom... They sat before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. We'll stop reading there, even though the rest of the story is, is interesting. Um, let's flip over to First um, Timothy. First Timothy here, I'd like to read verses eight. Sorry. Verses eight to, three, verse 13. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, and we're jumping in the middle here, but, but Paul is, is telling Timothy uh, how to choose leaders for the local body. And he says, "Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine." not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus." I find it interesting that the scripture clearly speaks about the role of a deacon. Uh, and if, you, if we would go to other scriptures where the word deacon is mentioned, it clearly indicates that in the leadership of the local church, there are elders or pastors or uh, presbyters, bishops, and deacons. So the role of a deacon is, is clearly there in the scriptures, and Paul is clearly laying out the qualifications for them here in. 1 Timothy 3, but a big unanswered question in my mind, as I thought about sharing with you this morning, is there's no statement anywhere that says this is what deacons do. This is what a deacon is for. Uh, The closest we get is the account in Acts 6, but you'll notice that in Acts 6, they are not called deacons, and I find it interesting, uh, slightly puzzling that if you follow the story through an Acts, um, later on, they're referred to kind of in passing as the seven. So they're not even called deacons then. It's just he was one of the seven. Um, And and I don't don't totally understand that. But I I think as, as I was looking at the Scriptures and trying to understand how do we understand the role of a deacon, I feel like that even though Acts 6 doesn't call these men deacons. I feel like what's being described here is what I understand the whole of scripture to be saying a deacon should be doing. So I hope I'm not taking too much of a liberty with the scriptures here to say that I think Acts 6 verses one through seven, eight, wherever however you define it, is really talking about what deacons can do. And so I wanted to look at what these men in Acts 6 were doing. And I would say, in terms of the value, what is the value that a deacon brings to the church? Well, really, the value is of of the service, the value that a deacon brings is the service that he performs to the church. Now, in Acts 6 here, there was a, a problem, a very practical problem. The scenario is that the church is growing quite rapidly and says the number of the disciples was multiplied and i picture this dramatic and sudden increase in church membership and those who are who are ordained here can probably identify this with this there's more people uh, there's less time it seems to go around to looking after all of the needs and you start your head starts to spin you're like what are we going to do next how are we going to deal with this and and i see that happening to the apostles um, there's a problem. There's a lot of people, there's lots of needs, um, and in those early days in Jerusalem, I've long had the picture that there were people who, who came to Jerusalem, this outbreak of faith happened, it's a new thing, people are there, came to Jerusalem, left their homes, their, fam- their extended families behind, they've entered into this new way, and there's a lot of practical needs People need cared for. And in this situation, this ends up being some Grecians who are not happy because they feel like the Grecian widows are being neglected when the food's getting handed out. Now, that's a practical problem. Somebody's not getting enough food. Well, it doesn't say that it's actually what's happening. It's inferred, at least. How much of that was perception, how much of it was actual, I don't know. But I've been in church leadership long enough to know that sometimes what's important is the perception more than the actual. There was a perception that there's an unfairness. It's not right. Something not right is happening here. It ought not to be this way. And what the apostles realized they needed is they needed someone to serve this very practical need. And they bring men in to do this very thing. I find the word deacon, even though it's not used here, applicable here because the word deacon means a servant or an assistant. And I find the story in Acts 6 telling us that there's these men who have been chosen to serve the church. Now when we, when we look at biblical passages and try to slice and dice how words were used, um, we're not reading Greek. So, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but my understanding is that you could have the sense of a a servant or someone who serves, uh, meaning a slave, someone who is in bond service. They've been pressed into this act of service. Um, That's not the word that's used here for the deacon. There's another Greek word that indicates that, pressing into service of a slave, nor is the word that's translated deacon. the word that gives the sense of a waiter or an attendant. Again, there's another Greek word for the person who would uh, serve your table at a restaurant or um, serve as someone who comes along to, you know, give you a a drink of cold water on a warm day. But the sense here is someone who is an executor or an agent. The word deacon gives the sense of someone who is uh, doing the work of someone else and that's why I think the term deacon really fits these men, because the service they're called to here is to do work that the apostles saw needed to be done, and they feel like they should be doing it. And it's, I, I, and I get that from verse 2. They say, it is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. So, The apostles felt like it needed to be done. They felt like it was their responsibility to see that it happened, but they said, we can't do this. We're not going to be able to get this done. We're not going to reach around to this need. We need someone who can do the work other than us so that we can give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And understand that in verse 4, the terminology they use there." They want people to serve the tables so that they can deacon the word. I believe that's the way the Greek would indicate it. So they're bringing people on not as slaves. In other words, they're not bringing these seven on to be servants in the sense of, you know, go do this, go do that. They're bringing people on, they're bringing men onto the team to help them serve the table, serve the physical needs. But it's not just they're hiring a food committee. This is, I, I don't think that's what's indicated here. This isn't the sense of someone who is, who's coming on board just to take care of the food needs of the congregation. And so, the, the, these men are clearly called to come and join, I believe, the, the leadership of the church in the sense of ministering to and caring for the very practical down-to-earth, food, and probably other needs as well. I'm sure there was housing needs and many other needs. The saying, it says in verse 5, pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen and Philip, and it lists all of these other men. And so, the value, I believe, that a deacon brings to a congregation is a service to the church, a servant to the church. But not only does the deacon serve the church, but he also serves the leadership team. And and I find find this fascinating to think about. A deacon also serves the leadership team. And and why do I say this? Um, These these seven that were chosen here, these seven men, were serving the church. And that's true because they're, they're... going to see to it that the food is actually distributed fairly and no one's left out. But notice that they're also serving the apostles. Um, They're acting on behalf of the apostles, and they're freeing up the apostles to do the work of preaching the word. Like I mentioned in verse 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The deacon really is, I believe, one who can free up the pastors, the bishop, the lead pastor, whatever term you want to give to that role, and the other ministers, he can free them up to do the work that God has called them to do, which, as the apostles said, is prayer and ministry of the word. And so, the value of a deacon, I believe, is to serve as a point person for physical needs. Someone who is the lead, who can take the lead to make this happen. I know in our congregation, the quote someone should all too easily becomes no one did. Because we think somebody should, somebody should do that, somebody should see after that need. But without someone, we can call on to say, is that taken care of? Has anybody done it? Sometimes and in our leadership team, we get into these situations where like, we're sending each other messages. Did you do this? Did that get taken care of? Uh, you know, it would go around and around on that. And if there's just one person who that is their task, or in our case, we have two, um, no question. That's who we go to. Um, and like I said, administrations are different. Um, there at Pilgrim, we actually have two deacons. Um, our situation is I handle the financial uh, responsibilities and the other deacon handles counseling and more of the um, people side of the deacon responsibilities. Um, I felt like I wasn't reaching around and the church said, okay, that's fine. We'll not stress you out anymore. We'll just, hire, we'll just bring on another deacon to, to serve alongside of you. And it's, it's been a, a huge relief for me. Uh, Brother Jonathan Miller is my fellow deacon. And I feel like we, we just work hand-in-hand hand to bring, the, the, bring resolution to physical needs that people have. So the deacon is not only serving physical needs among the congregation, but he's also serving as a resource for the team, the leadership team. So in our setting... Um, I find it an honor. It's a joy to serve our lead pastor, Simon Schrock. Um, Between Jonathan and I, we do lots of practical things for him. It feels like um, support for meetings and special services, doing legwork or phone calls or uh, arranging things, um, whether it's um, keeping up with what resources are available uh, taking minutes at meetings, it just feels like as deacons, we have a lot to offer to the leadership team we can can serve as servants of that um, of that team. Not only do we serve in supporting meetings and special services, but I feel like as as deacons, we bring to the leadership team an awareness of what the resources are that the church has i 'm um, thinking of things like uh, we might be talking about, uh, as a leadership team, we're talking about a, a problem, a difficult situation in the church. Maybe someone is at a tight spot financially. Well, as the one who's more working more with finances, I have in my mind a list of people that I know could make emergency loans for situations. That's, that's something I try to keep aware of. You know, If a need came up and, and there was an emergency financial need, Who could I go to? What shoulder could I tap? And I can bring that to the leadership team. I I try to keep track of who's available on short notice for special projects. You You know how it is, there's always these things that come up. And some of us hold day jobs, but the need needs to be taken care of today. Somebody needs to do this today. I believe it's the the job of a deacon to keep in his mind. Who can I call on? Who is free for this kind of task? Whether it's um, offering a ride to someone, or help someone shop for a car, or help in many different ways. Who has experience and wisdom for specific topics? This is something that I find really helpful because I don't know a lot of things. There's a lot I don't know. And Wisdom is often needed, as I relate to physical needs, as I relate to people's problems. As a deacon, I try to understand who um, in the church has wisdom for this kind of situation. So, if someone comes to me and says, hey, my my car is having problems, it's getting old, well, I'm not a good person to shop for cars. I'll tell you that right away. It's not my expertise. But I do know men in the congregation who I would be very happy to call up and say, hey, this person needs a new car. Can you help them figure out what's going to suit their needs and solve their problems? Um, and there are other things. Just recently, uh, there's a brother who's, who's thinking about a career change, and he's thinking about a different job. And I can say, you know what? There's this other brother. You need to go talk to him about that. I know you want to get into this line of work. You need to talk to this brother because he can give you valuable insights about whether that would work for you. And your option B is this. Okay, so here's the person you need to talk to about that. This is what you need to do. And so I believe that the the value of a deacon is a resource for the leadership team, helping them stay aware of and fully up to speed on what resources a church has to meet the needs among them. In Acts 6, the need that the church was experiencing clearly was an uneven distribution of food. And I think this aspect of a deacon's service to the church and the value that a deacon brings is really obvious, to give financial aid to immediate needs. that That's a very real part of the deacon's responsibility in our congregation, and I think rightly so. It fits in with the biblical model of the servants to the church in Acts 6. I find that to be an important, but not that frequent part of my work. It feels like a lot of times, the difficult situations that we experience in life really have multiple aspects to them. It's not just a financial need. You know, if there's a financial need, there's another aspect to it, too. It's often related to, is it a health problem or is it an emotional problem? Is it a spiritual issue? Um, and so, I see the value of a deacon in service to the church is to help individuals deal with the difficult life situations that they find themselves in. Um, there's a brother, uh, and this has happened multiple times, You know. People find themselves in a situation where their financial debt is more than they wanted, and all of a sudden they realize, "I need some help." What what they need isn't necessarily a, a cash infusion into their checking account. They don't need just a large lump sum given to them. They need help, but what the help they need is understanding how they got there. You know how their spiritual Emotional family life is contributing to the issues they're dealing with. They need a listening ear. They need good counsel. Maybe it's large decisions like this This brother I was talking to um, about career changes. Or another brother I was talking to just this week. is um, facing uh, some very significant medical decisions. Just found out he has a cancer that's moving fast. And he called me up to talk about this. What's what's he going to do? How should he relate to this? On one hand, yes, there's the the financial part of it. And he's like, these treatments are just astronomical. How how are we going to ever afford this? Well, yes, okay, we can help. There are discounts we can get. But first and foremost, I wanted to tell him, look, please don't just immediately sell your rental property and figure out how you're going to get this money because that's what the church is for. That's what... My role as a deacon is is to assure you, you're not dealing with this large expected cost by yourself. It's not your job as a member to face this by yourself. That's what we're here for as a church. And I tried to assure assure him that, yes, okay, so even if we didn't get any discounts, the money is there, we can help you with this. You don't need to be concerned or unduly worried. There is a means to deal with this. The flip side of that service, though, then is to be a wise steward of the resources of the church. And the church has many resources, and it is not just money. But money is the part, is the resource that's most easily transferred from one to another. And so I, I think there's a, a value that a deacon bring, can bring to the church in understanding okay, so there's money that's available, there's money that can be given. What's the best way that we can use that? Of course, with money comes a responsibility to use it well. And anyone who's worked in nonprofits knows the government is interested in how the money is used, too. You just can't just give it in indiscriminate ways. There are constraints, there are wise ways to use the monetary resources we have. And I believe a deacon as a part of the leadership team, is uniquely positioned to understand how how should the money, the financial resources of a church best be used. But I think it extends to more than just money, and I would hope that you don't just get too narrowly focused on what a deacon can do in terms of helping people pay bills or helping um, people have the funds they need for large uh, financial needs. A big resource of the church, I believe, is talented individuals, people who have gifts. And and I believe that it really should be the goal of a deacon to help those talents in the church be used well. So if there's someone who has a particular ability to match that up with people who have specific needs, with that comes, I think, a need for the deacon to help or he can help, focus the church's energy and to give leadership on that. I think I've found, and I don't know how it is here, um, it's easy to have good ideas, and it's good to have dreams and things that could be done. But there's often a need for someone who can say, we can do this. We have the resources, we have the people, we have what we need, we could actually do this, let's make it happen. They can provide leadership for that kind of thing. They can make a way, open doors, make things happen. Where our current energy is, and my current energy, maybe I should put it that way, and and some of our church is is in relation to refugees. And I found that really enjoyable and I hope we can continue to open doors in that regard that's not part of this message, and I'd be happy to talk to you about what we're doing later. But it's, it's those kinds of things where I see from my own perspective and my own experience, it's all too easy for the leadership team to have ideas about what could happen. But someone needs to step out and say, yeah, I know the resources. I know the people. We can do this. We can make it happen. The value of a deacon is not only service to the church and service to the leadership team of the church, but it is really also a service to God. And I wanted to emphasize that this morning that really the deacon's responsibility is to God. I find it instructive and fascinating in Acts 6 that Stephen and Philip, two of the first mentioned deacons there in that list of seven, were preachers and evangelists. They were men who were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were men who made a difference, and I find Stephen's sermon in Acts 7 to be inspiring and invigorating as a deacon. He was a man who knew what God needed to say to the people, and he said it. Uh, The effects were immediate and extreme, but he said God's word, and he was not afraid. Philip, if you read on in Acts, was also very effective at evangelism and witnessing. The faithful deacon, in his service to God, 1 Timothy 3.13 says that, and this is reading from the Holy Christian Standard, he says, it says, they acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. There is a service to God that is more than just writing checks or giving money to specific needs or helping out with meetings. The qualified deacon in verse 9 of 1 Timothy 3 says, it says he holds the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. And I think this is why we do well to look carefully in the selection process for a deacon. The deacon really is a servant, a steward, responsible to God for the discharge of his work. But why, why do we ordain a deacon for this? Couldn't pastors do a lot of this? Isn't this really what you know, Dave and Nate and um, you know, the others? Isn't this what they're doing already? Well, clearly the apostles in Acts 6 realized that they weren't doing this. There was a, a need that was being met that they couldn't meet. And just like the apostles in Acts 6, I think that there is a very definite need that the pastors are, should be doing a work of teaching, counseling, prayer, spiritual guidance. They could be doing all of these practical things, but is it really wise for them to do that? They likely shouldn't be serving these practical needs because they shouldn't be distracted from the very valuable work that they're doing for the church. I think asking the question, couldn't the other ministers do this um, shows up the closeness between a pastor role and a deacon role. If you look at the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, they're strikingly similar between the, the pastor and the deacons. There's not really that much difference. But I find it instructive that the deacon's role does not include apt to teach. Now, I enjoy teaching, but I have to remind myself that myself that is not what I'm called to do as a deacon. My role is a practical role, and at, at one point, I did preach more regularly. Um, at this point, uh, I would call myself the relief preacher. Um, I preach once a quarter, but what that works out to be is, oh, you know what, you know, everybody else is be gone this next Sunday, um, who's going to fill in? Well, that's me, you know. There's some kind of scheduling glitch, fine, that's, that's what I'm there for. Um, My fellow deacon does actually take a full regular turn preaching, but I don't, Um, and I'm glad for that. I think it allows me to focus more on the deacon responsibilities I have, but I do think the similarity in qualifications is part of why I think it's wise and biblical to see the pastors and deacons as part of one team leading the church together. This is not two different types of offices in the church, it's really Close. They're really very close together. And that's why I don't think a layperson can do this. Because you can also ask the question, not only could the pastors do this, well, maybe laypeople could do this. Well, I'd like to say specifically that I want to commend the person among you, and I don't know who it is that handles the finances of the church. It's an important role and a crucial stewardship, and it's a demanding job, and my hat's off to you. Um, But I think there's a need for a deacon, someone who's part of the spiritual leadership of the church to address people's needs. Like we said before, people are whole beings, and their physical and financial needs don't exist separately from their spiritual and emotional needs. And from my experience, a team approach to caring for people in the congregation is so much better. So I I'm coming to the situation from the standpoint of financial needs. So we're talking about a situation. The pastors are looking at it from the spiritual side. How's he going to care for his children? What's, how's his child training going? I'm thinking, how's, how are his bills getting paid? What's he going to do in the meantime until he gets this other job? We're coming at the same problem or the same situation, but from different perspectives. But we're part of the same team. It's, it's a... It's, a leadership team that is caring for this person. And it just seems so helpful that the one who is tasked with overseeing physical care is a part of the same team that's overseeing spiritual care. That has just worked well for us. Secondly, I would say that ordination to the deacon role gives a compulsion and authority to the one serving. And I don't think that should be taken too far since a deacon is a steward, he's responsible both to the local body and to God. So not to overstate this, I find for myself in my deacon ordination a parallel to Paul's description of his compelling call to preach. He says, for if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast, because an obligation is placed on me. And woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward, but if unwillingly, I am entrusted with a stewardship. I believe that ordination communicates that this task of deacon responsibility it's not a job I have. This is not something I'm gonna be voted off of next year or the year after or whenever I decide that I don't want to do this anymore. This is a calling from God to minister to practical needs. It's a directive of God through my brothers, yes, but it's a directive from God to serve the church. And I feel compelled to do it. And I feel compelled to speak into situations Not because somebody hired me for this job or I was voted in, but because God's laid it on me to care for these situations. Like we said before, ordination makes the person a part of a leadership team, which makes the calling much more effective. In supporting the pastors, in supporting the leadership team, I feel like I can give much better assistance because I was a part of the conversation about the whole need, not just the financial need. There is a lot that lay members can do. Ordaining a deacon doesn't mean that the church can just relax. Okay, now we have pastors and deacons, so, okay, I can just lay off and not do anything anymore. I find myself incredibly indebted to lay members. Uh, There's one brother... I've, I've called him my secret sauce. I've told him that he's, he's the reason that I've been able to survive as a deacon. I can go to this brother and say, you know, this person has a financial need. They need help in an ongoing way. It's not just something we're going to address today and it's fixed and done. They need somebody to meet with them for the long haul. And he's done it repeatedly for years, just patiently meeting with people and help them with financial challenges. Not flashy, look at him you wouldn't know that this was a skill of his but he's been an incredible blessing and so even if you ordain a deacon or when you ordain a deacon he will need people among the congregation who can help him in conclusion the role of the deacon i believe is very important it's it's both hugely significant In other words, it has a lot of meaning. It can create a lot of meaning, and it's very valuable. Like Paul says, I magnify my office. Not because I'm standing here saying, you know, I know how to do this, but because I think it is so important for the smooth functioning and the the blessing, the thriving of a local church. I believe the Scripture clearly indicates that the care of physical needs is very important to God. I don't think you have to read far in the Scriptures to realize God actually cares deeply about people's day-to-day physical needs, starting with manna and all the way through the Scriptures. The Bible talks about caring for the stranger among us, all the way up through caring for widows who aren't getting enough food or not being fairly treated. God cares about physical, material needs. And I believe there's a a clear and a compelling purpose for a church leader who can focus on those physical needs and can give practical service to the church and its leadership. So I'd like to bless you all as you look out from among you, a man to fill this role and to serve the church in this way. I'll be praying for you in that process. God bless you all.